welcome to a brand new episode of The Partial Historians. I am one of your hosts, Dr. G. And I am Dr. Rad. Join us as we trace the history of Rome from the founding of the city. And we're in a very thrilling moment in Roman history. It's the 2nd December. Yes, we're going to be spending quite a few episodes, I think, on this time period. We've already spent a few episodes on this, and there'll still be more to come. Oh, yeah. It's a really pivotal moment in Roman history where, essentially, they've given up all the usual magistracies that make Rome, Rome, like consulships, praetorships, you know. Tribune of the Pleb, very importantly. Nice. And in the place of this, they have put 10 men, or decimvers, and they were meant to be in there because they were supposed to be helping to bring about this law about the laws, supposed to be codifying a law code for the Romans, but instead, they've used this opportunity for their own gains, Dr. G. They've become tyrants. They've seized power, and now they're refusing to give it up. And not only that, they now have a whole bunch of armies as well. Yes, so the last episode, we were specifically talking about the fact that there had been some patricians challenging their position, but unfortunately, there were also some enemies at the gate. Mm. Yeah, Rome is facing a challenging situation at best in that all of their enemies, uh, that is the Sabines and the Aquians at the moment, we're not sure about the Volskii. Hold that thought. <laughs> Let's not bring them into this. <laughs> but at least two of Rome's major competitors in this time period have decided that now would be a good time to sort of try to take Rome down a notch. And this means that Rome is facing a war on two fronts and the Decemvirs have really needed to uh, levy an army to be able to navigate this situation. Only problem is they're holding power illegally. So how do they get anybody to do that? I think that's a matter of perspective, Dr. G. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, well, it helps that nobody's allowed to say no to the Decembers. This is true. Yeah. So no one's allowed to say no. They've had to hold a levy and everyone's had to go and fight the Sabines and the Aquians. But they're not doing it with their happy faces on. <laughs> no. And this has led to some massive military problems. One might even say disasters. Yes, there has been some running away. There has been some not following orders, being like, oh, sorry, I didn't hear you properly. Yeah. And so last episode in Dr. G's account, because she is reading Dionysius of Halicarnassus, whereas I am reading Livy at the moment, uh, Dionysius told us that the Decemvirs decide that they're just going to start murdering people, maybe publicly, maybe privately, depending on what's going to have the most impact, if they're not obeying orders. Yes, it's on a knife edge, and you flagged, and I think this is very exciting indeed, Yeah, that there is going to be murder most foul. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so one of the big plebeian personalities that we've had in our, in our 450s episodes was one Lucius Siccius Dentatus, hero of the plebeian class, military man Genius. extraordinaire. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it looks like he might be one of the people to run afoul of the Decemvirs. So, let's dive in, Dr. G, and see where this episode will take us.
so to get things started, we don't actually know what year we're in really. It might be around about 449. It might be 447. It's not at all clear. Um, our sources are a little bit hazy because they used to be able to date things relatively precisely according to console ships, but we haven't had those for a while now. Yeah, so who knows how long these Decimvers held under power. That we don't know. Mm. Um, and that is our first problem. But the, the consequence of the situation that we now find ourselves in, and the Romans find themselves in, is that power is being played out in new ways and in ways that generate fear because they're both unknown, but also nobody knows how they're capped anymore. Mm. Well, I mean, there is no cap, really. That's part of the, part of the issue. Mm. As I said uh, before, the Romans, since the kings, have always had a real fear, a nagging fear of what would happen if you give people this kind of unlimited power. And it's kind of being borne out in right in yeah. front of their eyes. Because the sensible idea with the Decemvirs is that what they're going to do is they're going to come into power for a short amount of time. Yeah. Other magistracies will be sort of um, on pause yeah. and they will have full jurisdiction on cases that come before uh, them as a body they will have full rule so their judgment won't be negotiated on and so they're kind of running a show which is very much sounds quite monarchical really but it's divided between 10 men that doesn't make it any less tyrannical though and we've got yeah. one guy who's attracting a lot of attention in our source material and that is Appius Claudius Patrician extraordinaire. Yeah. And also maybe Two-Faced because he starts off being um, kind of terrible. Really nice, really lovely. Yeah, kind of terrible, but then kind of all right. And then seems lovely and everybody votes him in for this second decimvirate. And then he turns. Boy, does he turn. It's always his plan, Dr. G. It was always his plan. <laughs> You're saying he's a psychopath? I am. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's have a look and see what's going on with the armies. So, oh yes, you already know what is in my sights for this particular period of the Decemvirate, and that is the murder of someone very specific. Is yes, there, is there anything I need to know from Dionysus before I start delving into the details of this murder? Um, I don't think so, but I think it's probably a good time to like just recap on what our strategic. Um, lay of the land looks like. Good idea. So we've got two legions. We're not really sure how big these legions are. Uh, two legions in Rome, and they are being led by two decimvirs. Appius Claudius, already talked about that guy, and the other one is Spurius Oppius. Mm. So they're holding the Roman fort, essentially. And then we've got Three legions have been sent against the Sabines. They've been a bit embarrassed and they've fallen back uh, to a place called Crustumerium. <laughs> uh, and they are being led by Quintus Fabius, Quintus Potelius, and Manius Rabuleus. And they're sort of hanging around deciding what their next strategic move is. And it seems that the determination has been made that the Aquian threat is the larger threat. So they've sent five legions under five decimvirs down towards the southeast. And these are led by Marcus Cornelius, Lucius Minucius, Marcus Sergius, Titus Antonius, and Kaiser Duilius. Okay. So we've got some in the southeast. Crustumerium is kind of in the northeast. And then we've got the two in Rome. So that's the lay of the land. Okay, so things are going badly no matter what direction you're looking at. And of course... 
Lucius Siccius Dentatus wouldn't be a plebeian hero if he weren't prepared to take a stand against what's going on, Dr. G. What kind of man is Lucius Siccius Dentatus? Remind me of how great he has been. To be honest, he's won so many military honours that I actually can't remember them all. Uh, He is a great character, though. So he sort of comes to our attention through his prowess on the battlefield. Definitely. He seems to have been serving in the army for a really long time. And he comes further into our attention when he speaks out about the fact that he doesn't get an allotment of land, despite the fact that he has worked so hard all Mm. of his life. And served for him. Yeah. And where is the benefit for him? So he becomes like the voice of the plebeians. Um, In the lead up to the the law about the laws and the codification, none of which, of course, solves the problems that he was actually speaking about. Yes. <laughs> which is part of the issue we have with the 12 table. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, he has this, but he has this history of standing up for both himself and for plebeians generally. And then he goes on to parlay that moment where he speaks publicly into a career as a tribune of the plebs. Yes. And then he also, that's on the back of a military exploit that he's been dragged into that he didn't want to be a part of when he was effectively retired, Mm. where he took an Aquian camp and fully destroyed it. But then lied about it. And then lied about what had happened in order to uh, destroy the consul's reputation. Which he did. Yeah, very effectively. Never never caught up with him, actually. So this guy is a plebeian hero on, like, just every level so far. So he is, no surprise, helping out Rome in this moment of distress. Not that he would have had a choice. Um, But he is off on the Sabine campaign. He might have had a choice because he's actually too old to be levied. That's true. That's true. But I'm not surprised that he is helping no, out. Neither am I. Yeah. So he's off serving on the Sabine wing of this of this campaign, and he knows, as everybody does, that the Decemvirs are hugely unpopular. So he starts whispering amongst the troops. He starts sowing discord. Oh, interesting. He has a cunning plan. He starts saying to people, "Listen, the Decemvirs are the worst." So what we should do is we should elect tribunes and secede. Mm. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We're going full escalation straight away. We're out. We're out. (laughs) This guy only has one gear. Full ball. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So obviously the generals slash decimbers who are in charge of the Sabine campaign, they find out what's going on. Okay. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Secrecy is not this man's strong suit. <laughs> yeah, they're not thrilled <laughs> for what's going on. So they decide they're going to have him murdered. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but they don't want to do it. Unlike in your account, they don't just want to do it. You know, they don't want to just like oh. execute him. Well, his account is a little bit different, so I, okay. I'm going to hold on to that. All right, okay. They don't just want to outright have him murdered because he's really popular and he is a hero. Okay, so what they do is they set him up. So they tell him to go out and look for a suitable site for a camp. Okay, so he's he's out and about and therefore not near the bulk of these people that would you know die for him rather than see him harmed. Okay, they then have him killed by some of the soldiers that he has sent Oof. out yeah, on okay. reconnaissance with. Okay. Wow. Now, Betrayal by your own men. Now, it doesn't go, well, are they his own men? Are they? <laughs> I mean, if you're in an army, you're supposed to, you've got to trust everybody who's in your squad, don't you? Well, Otherwise, what's the point? Well, yeah. Anywho, uh, now, this doesn't go as smoothly as they had hoped because 
This is Dentatus we're talking about here. He says he's not going to lie down and be murdered. No surprises there. No. The man was born with teeth. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So he manages to injure or harm some of the people that attacked him. I'd expect nothing less from the Roman Achilles, to be honest. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Now, when the survivors slash, I presume, murderers come back, they report that what happened was an ambush. Okay, that's... That's actually true. The best lies well, are laced with truth. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, and because it, it's not just him that's taken down, it's also some of the men that were sent with him. Obviously, obviously there's a bit of a, a split in terms of some of them being in on the plot, some of them not being in on the plot. So, you know. So, of course, they have to launch an official investigation into exactly what has gone down. This is really, like, quite sophisticated from a Rome perspective. I mean, like, something went wrong. We need to investigate. Well, I think they have no choice just because Sicius, you know, is such a big deal. I mean, you know. <laughs> Anywho, so they launch an investigation. Suspicions are raised, Dr. G. Because of the position of the bodies, the way that they have fallen, doesn't seem to make sense with the account that's been reported back. <laughs> Hercule Poirot senses trouble. Exactly. Miss Marple is on the case. <laughs> And on top of that, none of the dead men have been robbed. Mm, that's the very least I would do if I was part of an enemy ambush. Exactly. And so it all seems a little suspicious. And very soon they figure out exactly what has gone down. The truth will out. You know what they say. There is outrage <laughs> we of the highest order. We gather all the suspects in one room. <laughs> yeah. People are absolutely devastated. I can't tell you how distraught the soldiers are to find out that not only is Sikis dead, but that he died in such a manner. This is a betrayal of everything that Rome stands for. Yeah. The Decimvers are... I mean, is it possible to be less popular than they were before? <laughs> well, apparently it is. They've managed to find a new level for themselves. Imagine screwing up a secret murder. Well, exactly. Now, they try to put a spin on it that will work to their advantage in that they decide that they're going to give him a military funeral at public expense. Oh, okay. Well, that will help. Well, yeah. But this is the problem. I mean, when you're responsible for murdering the man, it doesn't really matter how big the funeral is. It's not going to win you everybody back. So this is one of the crimes that the Decimbers commit and that there's just no coming back from. Yeah. There's no saying sorry when you have killed Sicius. Dentatus. Yeah, the Roman Achilles has been murdered by his own. Exactly. That's bad. What an end. What an <laughs> a end. tragic end yeah. to a glorious life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so that's how it goes down in Livy, Dr. G. Yeah, okay. With Sicius, Sicius falling to murder and taking down some of his assassins, there being an investigation and the murder being uncovered. Look, there's actually lots of parallels between Livy's account and Dionysus' account in this respect. Okay. But some of the setup is a little bit different. Okay. So, um, I've got a, a beautiful note. Uh, Re-enter Sicius, stage left. <laughs> Just when you weren't expecting to see this guy again. I really wasn't expecting to see him, actually. No, neither was I. I was like, this is fantastic. This cannot be good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Dionysus prefaces it with like telling you the ending first you're like this guy's about to get assassinated oh. heads up yeah, so Dionysius <laughs> and you're like no the Roman Achilles <laughs> so then it's all about how does it happen yes um so part of the problem is that uh Lucius Sigius Dentatus um has a reputation for not being able to keep his mouth shut this is one of his strengths of character but mm. it's gotten him into trouble on numerous occasions for before. sure for sure and 
he has made no bones about the fact that he doesn't think that the Desenvirs are good generals. Right. Well, yes, and yes. he has been begged are not. No, no, they're not. <laughs> um, and he's been saying as as much to anybody who would listen Mm -hmm. and also offering his own thoughts on what might be a better strategy instead. Well, he is a military genius. He managed to get out of certain death on previous occasions. Yeah. So this uh, combination of his open criticism, uh, his reputation for being fabulous on the battlefield, Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that the Desenvirs catch wind of this. Yeah. um, And this this seems to be the Sabine guys that he's been like in contact with so it matches up yeah Yeah, so they decide to invite him over for some friendly consultation wait the sabines do no the oh the the sabine yeah the sabine legion right sorry okay Um, i was gonna say wait this is crossing a huge yeah yeah that would be amazing yeah um the sabine's like dude i mean they don't like you come for us yeah we'd love your well i mean we've seen that kind of thing before yeah 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 no no he's too roman for that um so he goes and he chats to the desenvir generals yeah um so these three guys in charge of these sabine legions Mm. and Essentially, he's been brought in as a consultant. Yeah. That's kind of like his job. And and they're like, look, maybe what you could do is actually provide some useful advice. And they set him up as a legate. Okay. This is really interesting. And I'll read out exactly what Dionysius says about the legate because there's ways in which this position really changes over time. Mm-hmm. And the way that it works in this moment or the way that Dionysius seems to think it works in this time period is Interesting. Okay. So the position of legate is the most honorable and the most sacred of all dignitaries among the Romans, possessing as it does the power and authority of a magistrate and the inviolable and sacred character of a priest. Whoa. Yeah. So most of the time, uh, I think for people familiar with some Roman history, you tend to think of a military legate. That is um, what I was thinking of. Yeah. yeah. And But this description immediately made me be like, oh no, I need to look up what other kinds of legates we've got here because there is a a sacred and religious sort of character that is built into the legate in this case. Oh my God, this is going to make the murder so much worse. So much worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, so essentially, um, the idea of a legate does transition into being a military legate at some point. Okay. For sure. Right. But there is also a prior understanding of what a legate is which is to do with being an envoy and an, an ambassador of sorts um, right, that okay. sort of can negotiate with external contact points so you're kind of a representative of rome but you also have the capacity um to perform the function of a fediale right okay yeah so and fediales are the guys that help romans to declare war essentially yeah, yeah. They're, they're these great priests who go out with sticks and they sort of stand there being like is the cause just and yeah. they look for the signs and they're like the cause is just and they're like all right let's do it um so let's get out of people yeah and it's like the signs are right um we've had a chat to the enemy stupid like, if i witness yeah the enemy's not down for peace so let's do this thing yeah just cause um yeah god's well, on our side God forbid that the Romans could go to war without having just cause. Yeah, you don't want to... Yeah, that's the worst. You do not want to be out of sync with the gods. Yeah. So, um, an unsanctioned attack on a legate is also a cause for war. So you're not expecting this to happen internally, obviously. I mean, Mm. that's the first thing. This is why it just seems so stupid. Why would they do this? (laughs) Well, they give him this honour. Right. And they're like, you're a legate now. What we want you to do is is to go and talk 
with the Sabine Desenvirs. Uh-huh. So the the Desenvirs in the Sabine region. Getting him out um, of the way. I yeah, see. yeah, because he's mm. making trouble. It seems that he's making trouble elsewhere. Oh, so he's like, definitely making trouble in my account. Yeah. yeah, and we're not sure. I'm not sure whether he's in Rome or is somewhere else. But they basically. Some Desenvir, it seems, maybe it's Appius Claudius, invests him with his power as a legate and says, look, I have a really special task for you. You've got these skills. It'd be really great if rather than like, you know, back talking behind everybody, maybe you can actually help these generals out. That's interesting because in my account, he's definitely with the Sabine army. Uh, you know, he's definitely talking to fellow troop people, fellow soldiers, in other words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As so they are commonly known. It's not at all clear how this comes about, but the idea is that he gets invested with the authority of a legate, which mm-hmm. means that his body is sacred. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has what is known as Sanctus Involitaque, mm-hmm. which is to be sacred and involitate. Mm-hmm. So you can't touch him. He has a holy body now. Um, and <laughs> some of the other perks of being a a legate include being able to have your own servants. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also the right to free transportation. Booyah. <laughs> Be like, I just use this bus pass now. <laughs> Are you planning to travel to the fields of Elysium anytime soon? No, but maybe yes. But if I could get there for free, that would be great. Um, so anyway, there he goes. Um, he gets to the Desenvirs in Sabine Territory. They're camped at Crustumerium, mm. my favourite place. And, Great place for a murder. And he starts offering advice like he's been told to do. And he's like, guys, you got to set this up differently. you got to do that differently. It does sound like he's been sent from Rome, yeah. 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 Um, and they treat him really um, quite friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really quite generous with their time. They're like, oh, look, we really appreciate your wisdom, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um and Dionysius suggests that Sicius is deceived by their friendly manner. Hmm. Um, and he is a simple, humble military man at heart. <laughs> and so he, does, he doesn't read between the lines that there might be something up here or that there were two messages and one was Sicius is coming and the other was kill him please <laughs> find a way a little bit of a upper class bias perhaps coming through that maybe, maybe that he's a bit too thick to read the yeah. signals who knew great on the battlefield can't trust him in the uh the game as it were mm. uh so anyway well, the game is a foot doctor <laughs> the game is so afoot right now <laughs> Um, so he's like, sure, okay, everybody's taking my advice, this is great. Um, and they're like, so why don't you, um, you're talking about how it might be a good idea if we put out, move our camp, mm-hmm. like that's your advice to us, we need to shift where our camp is based. Yeah. And we hear you and that'd be great. How about you go out and scout the area that you think is going to be more suitable? We'll give you 100 men, you can go and have a look and come back and tell us like where's the best, most advantage spot to move the camp. Um We'll pick out the best youths. You can pick people as well. It's going to be great. And we'll get you set up for, to do a bit of a reconnaissance and look around. Yeah. And Sikius is like, sure, happy to do it. They pick a hundred men who are all tasked with the job of murdering him. A hundred men? A hundred men. I think we've just reached the definition of overkill. This is. <laughs> They're like, can't trust this sickest character. He definitely took out like a whole bunch of Aquarians and a whole camp. And who knows? Anyway. But he didn't do it by himself. <laughs> he had a whole like group of guys with him. Yeah. Ugh. So anyway, okay. they send him out with a hundred men, uh, lightly armed. Um, and their job is murder. Wow. Murder most foul. Yeah. 
Well, okay, it makes sense now that he would take out at least some of them if he's surrounded by a hundred, that he managed to take out a few. He basically gets caught out um, in a situation where they're walking through a hilly region Mm. and he and his shield bearer, so one of his personal servants, essentially, who's also a military um, personnel, has been like, wait a minute, this is weird. Um, Our men have fallen back. And it's just us two walking. Be like having a chat, you know, like getting into it military wise. Be like, wait a minute, it's just us two out in front. That's a bit weird. <laughs> Concerning. We're on this hill, um, so they they basically bunker down um, in anticipation of what is the attack, which definitely happens. Sicius reportedly kills fifteen straight out. Whoa. They come for him. He kills them. Wow. Wounds another thirty. It's like a Bruce Lee movie in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's intense. And so if he's wounded 30 and he's killed 15, there's really only 55 fresh men left. <laughs> only. Only, only 55. Only. Yeah. And, and so the idea that Dionysius of Halicarnassus floats here is that he would have slain them all, but they changed tactics. They realized that close quarter combat is not an effective strategy, regardless of how many men you send at this guy. They didn't realize that they, oh, I don't know. Good. They outnumber him massively. Yeah, so they just retreat back and they start throwing javelins, they're throwing stones and throwing sticks, apparently, whatever this, they can find. This is absurd. This is like one of those movies where you wonder why the bad guys all take on the hero one by one <laughs> when they clearly outnumber yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, just crush him to death. Yeah. No, they eventually uh, kill him by uh, rolling some massive stones down upon him. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> <laughs> While also overwhelming him with all of the missiles. So you've got like, you know, 50 plus dudes like throwing all of their javelins at so once. So Sikius versus Massive Stones and 50 javelins equals death. <laughs> yes. And so he gets crushed by the weight of one of these stones oh and also Lord. has a lot of puncture wounds by that point. So he dies. Well, yeah. <laughs> and then the cover-up begins. begins yes. <laughs> now, of course, what to do with all the buddies that he's taken out. Yes. Mm. Well, this is where the story of the ambush comes in very handy. Yes. On initial surface, you're like, you come back with only some of the men. Yeah. And you're like, a lot of them died out there. They died on the field. <laughs> it was rough, guys. It was It was terrible. We were ambushed. <laughs> Can you believe it? Don't think we can move the camp. It's Sikius. Sikius fell. <laughs> Doing what he did best. Fighting. And everyone's like, oh, that's interesting. Yes. Interesting. What are the chances? Dionysus suggests that uh, it is the fate of humankind to find out what has happened to Sicius. Okay. So implying that there's kind of like a, the gods want this to be known. Well, if he was a sacred legate, I can understand why they'd be on his side. Mm. Yeah. So there is a groundswell for a public funeral. Right. Okay. Um, but you can't have a public funeral without a body. Ah, so they have to go back and get the body, and that's when they see the suspicious suspicious body layout. Yeah, so a group goes back, and they're like, okay, we've got to retrieve the body. And they get there, and they're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Pyro, what do you make of that pile of bodies and that man crushed under a stone with all of his armor still on? Yeah, they seem to be suspiciously, I don't know, dressed with all their armor and their gear. Yes, Mm. curious, curious. Mm. I have questions. So, so this is where they made this is where they made their first mistake. They should have sent out some of the guys that were already on the plot to go and get the body. 
Yeah. I don't know why they would send out people that had nothing to do with the plot to recover the body. Yes. Stupid (laughs) dissonance. This is why the savings are beating you. Yeah. So, I mean, as they were approaching the site, I mean, there's also suspicions raised by the fact that they had, nobody had built a defensive wall. So Mm. even if you'd been ambushed, the first thing you do as a Roman soldier is build a defense. Right. So you use your javelins as the starting point for creating a defense system. Yeah. There's no evidence that anybody tried to build a defense. Yes. And they're like, oh, that's weird. Not the Roman way. And the way that you positioned it as well with the specifics about, you know, being on the hill, him and his shield bearer bunkering down. Mm, yeah. Mm. And so then they're expecting to find bodies that have been stripped, as you say. Yeah. And they're not. Problem. And there are no tracks of horses going in or out of the area either, or footsteps of men besides that of their own troop. Mm. So they're looking for tracks, being like, well, where's the evidence that this was an ambush? They're like, the guys went that way. I could see the footprints. Yeah. Nothing. Get Agatha Christie on this case immediately. <laughs> yeah. I'm having like really like strong, like Aragorn moments. Um, yes. <laughs> he's like two hobbits yeah, yeah. lay here. Yeah. Yeah. He's got his head down to the ground. He's like, yes. And I was like, it's just some grass. Uh, but clearly I don't have the skill set. For those <laughs> of you that don't know what Dr. G is talking about, this is a lot of the rings moment. If you watch, I believe it's The Two Towers, you'll see the scene we're talking about. Or is it Return of the King? I think it might be The Two Towers. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Any excuse to watch uh, Vigio Mortensen dress up as Aragorn, am I right? Am I right? Yes. Yes. (laughs) One of my favorites. Yeah. Um, But anyway, I've gotten distracted. Maybe that's what Dentatus looked like. Well, I mean, he is meant to be a handsome old man. Yeah. I think think Aragorn, Aragorn in The Vision... (laughs) <laughs> that uh what's her face you know Arwen. Liv Tyler yeah what's her name Arwen Arwen yeah in the vision that she has of their future when he's a silver fox with a kid oh yeah nice that <laughs> yeah because he's old all right yeah. so just imagine that the best looking man they've ever seen in your whole life silver fox wise has been murdered yeah that's the situation we're dealing with Definitely. here it's tragic I am outraged yeah. for Sicius yeah. it's like this is a man who has given his life to Rome in the very truest sense. Like Absolutely. Serving in the army repeatedly, gone on more than a hundred campaigns. Yeah. Has come back alive from every single one until now. Yeah. Lots of military crowns. So many military crowns. And he doesn't even have a house to put them in. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, the soldiers realize that Sicius has been set up. Yeah. And they go ballistic. Yeah, yeah. There is lamentations and there are demands for justice. Of course there uh, are. Which is fair enough. I think nothing less. Um, it turns out that the Decimvir generals ignore those. Really? Yeah. God. <laughs> These guys. How do they ever get elected to this position? They're like, it's a war. We're not doing justice right now. Carry on. You're dismissed. Wow. Yeah, so the soldiers then proceed to to go forward with the funeral themselves. So this is like a key difference, it seems, between yeah. Livy's account and Dionysius, because Dionysius my account is makes throwing so the decimus under the bus Yeah, right my now. account makes so much more sense. It's the only way they can try and redeem themselves. Yeah. And, and they still can't, but they can Yeah, try. whereas this suggests that there would have to be, at this point, like, full mutiny. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, making that kind of a move, I would expect that everyone's just like, right, that's it, we're not following you at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The sense of revolt is high in the air. yeah. So this is kind of like where things kind of wrap up okay. for Sicius in my account. Well, I would hope so. He is dead. <laughs> um, yes. Long live Sicius. May he 
And he lost in our memories forever. Right. Well, quite a sad episode. And there is one more major crime by the yes. Decemvirs. You thought to the Decemvirs couldn't get any worse, no. but there is another crime to come which cannot be forgiven. No, and this is going to be a big one. And I actually have to say I'm pretty excited about covering the next one because it means we actually get to talk about some ladies, Dr. G. Women, finally. Roman history is very man-based right now. Absolutely. So we'll leave that till the next episode. And for now, that means it's time for the partial pick. Thank you, Igor. So, the partial pick. The partial pick. This is about raiding Rome against the kinds of things that they enjoy Mm. and seeing how they do. Are they living up to their own expectations? So, on offer are five categories which we rate out of ten golden eagles. So, if Rome is being its very best version of itself, Mm. it will get 50 eagles. So far, it hasn't even got close. (laughs) (laughs) We are not in the height of Romanness yet, and I suspect this will be another low score. Well, let's wait and see. First up, we have Military Clout. Mm, Military Clout. I mean, I don't know if I'm rating it very highly, to be honest. I mean, we've got uh, three generals who have behaved more than poorly. Yes. Murdering their own men. <laughs> Murdering their yeah. own men. Yes. And, and we know that the other generals are also not experiencing any success worth talking about. So that's a zero. That is a zero. Okay. Diplomacy. Diplomacy. Ooh. <laughs> well, again, given that they're resorting to murder, I feel like no, not really. I feel like there was like a hint when they were playing the subterfuge game. Yeah, that, like, that was all a plan. Like, like, sure. But this is hugely problematic. I mean, for, for thinking about it in terms of um, Sikius being made a legate and a legate having a very particular sacred aspect to his role. Yeah. It's like the Decemvirs are just flaunting the relationship with the gods. I know. This is pretty important for the Romans, generally speaking. So the fact that they're willing to go down this path smacks of some kind of corruption, which I think is what our ancient authors are trying to get us to really understand. And that's why I think it's interesting that Dionysus includes that detail about the whole position of the legate, because it seems like the Decemvirs are crossing one line after the other. So first they tick off enough of the patricians that our sources are talking about it. So they're going against their own class in a way. Okay. They're, they're, they're ticking. Class traitor. Yeah. Well, I mean, (laughs) I think that, I think that the patricians say that they're the class traitors in some sense, but yeah, you know what I mean? There's definitely conflict with fellow patricians. Then there's the military bond being broken between commander and those that follow with this whole thing of murder, which again kind of crops up in your account, not yeah. really mine. This, yeah, but these secret orders that you can do yeah. away with people in your own army, it's, this is hugely problematic. Absolutely. Then, crossing the line with the gods, because Sicius has this special position, I mean, that's absolutely huge. And then, I mean, I must have been foreshadowing a bit here, but we know that in the next episode, they're going to cross like the really the one remaining boundary that's left to them, which is all sense of common decency. <laughs> How dare they? Yeah, so anyway, yeah. So diplomacy, none, because I don't think a scheme counts as diplomacy. <laughs> Expansion? No. No. Weirtus. Definitely not. Can we, like, minus points? <laughs> They're showing the opposite of weirtus right now. Mm. 
Yeah. This is zero. Which means that we've only got the citizen score left to save them. And I feel like that's almost a zero as well. Yeah, I mean, we're not getting a lot of uh, sense of what's happening back in the city, but it can only be bad because Appius is in charge of what's happening. And Yeah, and I think it's important to keep in mind as well is that the soldiery, for the most part, are citizens. I mean, that's the point. It is a citizen-raised army. That's what the levy is all about. Absolutely. Uh, These men have been devastated by the discovery that this has been an inside job on Sicius. Absolutely. Uh, the seeds for revolt are clear. Yeah. So that would make it a zero, which means that I have no purpose for holding the calculator in my hand because Rome has finished up once again on zero out of 50 golden eagles. Oh, it's an embarrassment to herself right now. Well, it, it just goes to show... When you get a tyranny in place, this is what happens, Dr. G. Yeah, Rome no longer functions. Yeah, and it also goes to show that, you know, these glory days of the early Republic, not so glorious all of a sudden. Awkwardly embarrassing. Yeah, and I don't think that the next episode is going to be much better in terms of eagles, (laughs) but once again, we can promise you plenty of blood, gore, outraged people, injustice, and scandalous. There will be so much drama. Yeah. So we look forward to catching you next episode. Yeah. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Partial Historians. This is Dr. G here. On behalf of Dr. Rad and myself, we'd like to send a huge Thank you to all of our longtime Patreons and all of our new fans. And on this particular occasion, we'd like to send our particular thanks to our newest patrons, Flora, Kylie, Juliana, Richard, and Liv. Thank you so much for your support. If you're enjoying our podcast and you'd like to support us, we'd love to see you over on our Patreon page. Things that you will acquire through your uh, exclusive membership with us include early access to our special episodes where we interview luminaries from the ancient world, of the ancient world, scholars, those sorts of things. Interviews with big people, interesting people, and also exclusive uh, writings that we produce where we talk about things that interest us about the ancient world. Uh, a little bit of the gossip, a little bit of the classical reception. So thank you again to all our patrons for your support and we'll catch you next episode.